Welcome to the Christchurch London podcast. This is a talk from our Sutton service. To hear talks from each of our services, please visit christchurchlondon.org. I don't know if anyone here is anything like me, but I like to be in control of what is happening around me. I like to know what's going to happen next. I like to plan ahead. I like to be as efficiently planned as I possibly can be, which is exactly how I tackle in my days as a teacher a school lesson, as I tackle as it used to be a school assembly, as I tackle this morning's talk. And things inevitably throw themselves up because you're not expecting them. But that is the essence of life. Things just happen. Doesn't mean that God isn't there. It doesn't mean that we can't look to Jesus. It doesn't mean that his Holy Spirit isn't within us. But things just happen. I tried to sort of express these feelings some years ago in these thoughts. It is autumn. And very soon, there'll be a cascade of leaves coming down, the winds will blow, the season will change, and inevitably, the gloom and the darkness of approaching winter will creep in on us. Reds and golds lie round about, leafy boats in seas of doubt. Yellows rusts of every hue, lay scattered, lifeless, on the dew. And there they rest until the breeze swings them on its day's trapeze, blowing east, then blowing west, turning, swirling, never at rest. And so it is with you and me, tossed and thrown so thoughtlessly. We long for love, we long for peace for shelter that will never cease. Protection from the storms of life, a harbor in the endless strife. But life's winds blow you where they will, turning, swirling, never still. As I was looking at today's passage, which will come up on the screen behind me in a moment, it sort of threw my thoughts in a number of different directions. Let's just have a quick look at the passage first. It follows a much more concise version of the Lord's Prayer. And Jesus goes on at the end of the Lord's Prayer to say this. And then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend And he goes to him at midnight and says, friend, will you lend me three loaves of bread? Because a friend of mine on a journey has come to stay with me and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door's already locked and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you this. Though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So this is what I say to you. 
Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened unto you. Because he who seeks finds, and I've missed a bit, for everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and he who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, persistence is a funny thing. Children are very persistent. If any of you have ever taken your children on a car journey, how long does it take for them to say, are we there yet? How many times do they ask you questions that you simply do not know how to answer? One of my favorite authors is a guy called Gervais Finn. He ended up coming from a teaching background and going into the inspectorate and inspecting schools. And he has many, many, many accounts of interesting encounters with children, some of which I can echo from my own personal experience from the very depths of my soul. But here's a cracking one that I thought may illustrate a point about persistence and asking. I, said Gervais Finn, was accompanying the chairman of the education committee around a village primary school. He was certainly viewed with much interest when he entered the small classroom and with his chunky red cheeks, great walrus moustache and hair shooting up from his square head, it was hardly surprising. He was introduced to the very nervous teacher who was taking the class and then sat down solidly, legs apart on a tiny red melamine chair designed for very small children. After a little while, he was approached by Tracy, a little girl who stared and stared at his round red face and drooping moustache. Then the following conversation took place. What is it? asked the little girl. What's what? retorted the visitor. That thing on your face. It's a moustache. What does it do? It doesn't do anything. Oh. It just sits there on my lip. Does it go up your nose? No. Can I stroke it? <laughs> no. Is it alive? No. Can I have one? No. Why? Well, little girls don't have moustaches. Why? Because they don't. Can I have one when I grow up? No. Why not? Because ladies don't have moustaches either. Now, at this point, the little girl stood and thought for a moment tilted her head on one side before answering. Well, my granny's got one. <laughs> it just shows that sometimes when you ask a question, you may not necessarily get the response that you're expecting. And if you're a Christian, and if 
you've been walking with Jesus through your life, that is an understatement. You think you're going in a particular direction and as sure as eggs is eggs, something crops up and you're all of a sudden going in a completely different direction and not one that you'd ever anticipated. So if you're sitting there thinking you've got the rest of your time ahead planned and you're thinking of walking with Jesus, forget the planning bit because he often steps in with a plan that you've never ever considered or anticipated before. Ask the question. Ask the question, where do you want me to be? Where do you want me to go? Can you help me in this situation? His first thing in this passage that followed the Lord's Prayer was ask. Don't be afraid to ask. You may not get the answer you expect, but for goodness sake, ask. When I used to do lots and lots and lots of tutoring, one thing I used to say to my tutoring students and to my children in my class, be they primary or in the way back distant days secondary, if you don't understand something, ask. If you don't get it the first time, ask again. If you don't get it the second time, I don't care if you ask me 50 times, keep asking me. I will try my utmost in my limited ability to find a way of getting through to you. And Jesus and God are saying exactly the same thing. If you don't understand, if you haven't got an answer, if you can't really comprehend what I'm doing, ask me again. I've taken loads of school assemblies. And the one thing, certainly with a primary assembly, is you get these kids who, when you ask a question, actually want to answer it, which is a bit of a shock. Secondary school kids don't want to answer anything. Adults don't want to talk to you. <laughs> ask the question. Now, what I have noticed over the years is, are the methods that primary school children devise to get your attention when you're taking an assembly so that you ask them. Now, when I ask a question in an adult, setting like this, normally most heads drop to their kneecaps because nobody actually wants to communicate with you in any way, shape or form. But primary school kids have developed a technique. It's a bit like this. I've raised my hand so many times during school assembly to answer to try and answer questions in a manner keen and friendly, but no one ever notices, or if they do, they just pass me by. It's pretty obvious to me I've just got to catch their eye. Now, I'm raising my arm straight up, or I could flap it like a bird. I could wave it rather quickly, and I know it sounds absurd, but I want, I want to answer questions. I'm keen, and I'm alert. My arm's been in the air so long, it really starts to hurt. So, I'm going to try the new one-fingered wiggle. Or the one with puffed out chest. There's the two-arm straight surrender. That's the one I like the best. Because it's obviously no good just raising my right arm. I'll just have to use initiative. Great cunning. Even charm. I will smile ever so sweetly. I will sit up straight and tall. I'll make sure I'm not distracted by the pictures on the wall. Yes, they'll certainly not miss me 
with my new response technique, with my range of arm positions, they'll have to let me speak sometime. Do you know God is trying loads of different techniques to get your attention? Loads of different techniques to get your attention. You only have to look at nature all around you, and we miss it 99% of the time. The beauty of this universe, the fascination of just day-to-day -day life that we go scuttling past without even a second thought. He's trying to grab your attention. We sang about it earlier. If all creation could just cry out, what a crescendo, what a beautiful sound that would be. He's trying to grab your attention with the love and the goodness he's bestowed on you day after day, week after week. Despite everything that's going on around you, despite the things that may be impacting, impacting on your life, he desperately tries to get your attention. But like the teacher in assembly, like me, I have to notice. And when I've noticed... I have to give the opportunity. And what Jesus is saying in this passage is, look, I'm trying to let you understand as people that you have an opportunity. But you've got to look. I'm just going to dig into my magic bag. small bunch of keys. There are several examples in the Bible where people are looking for lost stuff. Twice in my life, I have a vivid, indelible memory of losing my keys. It wasn't these. It definitely wasn't these. My wife, Ellen, bless her, Sometimes tries to tell me things and it goes in there and straight out there. There was one occasion where I put my keys in a plastic carrier bag together with a fair range of other stuff and um, she said, don't put them in there, they'll fall out. <laughs> I didn't dream for one moment that that would be the case. So we went to Croydon, did what we had to do. I got to Sutton because we had other things to do there. Look for my keys, they were gone. Now, having been to a number of shops in Croydon, I thought the odds of returning these keys were going to be minuscule. I didn't know if I'd dropped them in the car park in Croydon or in the car park in Sutton. I didn't know where they'd gone. Had no idea. All I did know was that there was a steady voice in one of my ears going, I told you so, I told you so. <laughs> It wasn't quite as delicate as that, I can assure you, but it was there. It was an ever-present voice. I'm going to cut a long story short because time's trundling on here. I did find them again. We had to go all the way back to Croydon and we dropped them in orders, as it was then, in Croydon. That was one occasion. That was bad enough. Now, if you've ever had a situation with a teenage daughter and they need to do something and you promise them faithfully that you're going to do it, key story two was the disaster. When I was teaching down at Hackbridge, we had a small kitchen opposite my classroom. The kitchen was one that was frequently 
frequented. And I had forgotten something. It was during the school holiday. And I said to my daughter, I know you've got to be in school because she was going in for something. I'm just going to nip back into school. It won't take me 10 minutes and pick up something that I've left in the kitchen at Hackbridge in the little kitchen. Dash back, got what I needed, got back to the car, no keys. Now, you wouldn't credit this in 100 years, but what had happened is there was another hole, I'm full of holes, in the pocket of my trousers. The car key had decided to wend its way down, come out of the bottom of my trouser leg, and somehow, don't ask me how, I'd managed to kick it under the little, little ridge, the skirt, what they call it, the bottom of a piece of kitchen, anyway. The, the, the little bit of board underneath, which was missing, I kicked it right underneath there in my hurry to get this item and come back. I got to the car and I was beside myself. She needed to be in school. I had to get the caretaker. Now, don't, don't tell anyone now at Hackbridge that I had to do this because this was donkeys years ago. To dismantle a kitchen unit <laughs> completely to get the car key, which was buried right at the very back at the kitchen unit. That wasn't the worst bit. It was bad enough having Ellen nag in my ear when I'd lost the first set of keys in Sun. Having a teenage daughter nag in your ear after you'd assured her and reassured her that you would be back in time is an unparalleled experience. <laughs> the key to the story is, don't carry your keys around with anything with a hole in it. <laughs> keys, doors, looking for stuff. I won't preempt anyone who's going to talk about a later story in Luke, but there's that lovely story with the woman and the lost coin, a very precious coin that she lost, and she tore everything apart in her house to find the lost coin. If you want to find the really precious things in life, sometimes you've really got to go looking for them. Because sometimes it's right under your nose and you don't appreciate it's there because there are so many other distractions. Ask... God's good. And although life sometimes throws you a lot of curveballs, and my goodness, it throws a lot of curveballs, God is good. He encourages us to ask, but he encourages us to seek as well. Genuinely look for it. Have you ever thought how many doors you go through in a day? Just think where you've got doors. You've got automatic doors, you've got revolving doors, you've got solid doors, you've got opaque doors, you've got transparent doors, you've got fridge doors, you've got oven doors, you've got bifold doors, you've got folding doors, you've got church doors, you've got castle doors, you've got house doors, you've got front doors, you've got back doors, you've got garage doors, you've got shed doors, you've got sliding doors, you've got car doors, you've got train doors, you can go on forever. And here's my one pun of the morning. Why look at doors? Because Jesus said, or the Christmas carol said, oh, come, let us adore him. Now, <laughs> doors have locks. Most of them do. There are two very well-known names in the lock world. The earliest doors were unlocked with something that was just simply... 
Well, just simply a, a prodder. You just poked it through a hole in the side and lifted a latch, which was all right if you were on the outside and you could open it from the inside, but you couldn't lock the thing. Anyone can get in, anyone can get out, pointless. It wasn't until a guy called Jeremiah Chubb had come along that the first real lock was made. Then on the back of Jeremiah Chubb's great idea of Chubb locks, which we've still got today, Another bloke, Mr. Yale, came along. And you, you've all got, most of us got Yale locks on the door. And he invented a method which was brilliant. Every single door could have its own individual little key lock which you could undo. Which is just like life and just like our individuality. We are individuals, we are unique. We have our own unique set of little key cut locks along our lives. And God tells us that we need to just take a good look at doors. Look at the doors in our lives. There's that brilliant verse in Revelation which says, I stand at the door and I knock. Well, the wonderful thing about Jesus is he's not going to force his way in. It's not a matter of a battering ram job. He's not going to smash a door down if you don't want to open it. He's waiting for the door to be opened. There's a lot about doors in the Bible. I could go on for ages about doors, but I'm just going to point out a couple of verses which do play a part in what comes next. Set a guard over my mouth. O Lord, keep watch over the door of my lips. Just think about that for a moment. Once this gets into gear, without that being in gear, all sorts happens. We only have to look at the world to know that. You get tongues in gear without brains even getting out in neutral and all sorts happens. Think about what you say and how you say it. And let's go back to the door that was mentioned in the passage. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. This is you asking and seeking and trying to find something, a solution to a problem. The guy's friend had come around and stayed with him in the parable. I need some food. I need, I need to persist with this. I need to get what I need to get. Sometimes you need to persist with God. I'm going to conclude, and the music group can make their way at their leisure. I'm going to conclude by reading one verse and then trying something that may be fatal. I'm going to try and get you to sing a simplistic chorus that I learnt I don't know how many years ago. I, so far ago I was in college so I must be talking 50 years plus ago and it helps me to remember something and there is a purpose to it. Moses when he was handing over to Joshua the responsibility of leading his people said this be strong and be courageous. 
Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. The Lord personally will go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. That was a promise that one leader gave to another leader. It's a promise I can share. Whatever happens, and a lot of stuff will happen in every life going, whatever happens, the Lord will go ahead with you. We talk a lot about the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And we talk a lot about the fruit. I'm going to sing you a line. <laughs> I'm going to sing you a line. I'd like you to repeat it after me as tunefully and hopefully more tunefully as I possibly can impart it to you. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness. Patience, kindness, goodness. Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. For such there is no law. For such there is no law. Now it's a memory test. We'll try the whole thing and we'll try it twice, all right? For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. For such there is no law. One more time. For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, goodness gentleness, self-control. For such there is no law. Let me just finish with a prayer. Give us the grace to love, come what may. May we appreciate joy when it comes down our way. Grant us true peace when the going gets tough. Help us show patience when we've just had enough. Reveal how your kindness can reign in our homes. Surround us with your goodness when we feel alone. You're gracious with faithfulness, whatever may come. Touch us with gentleness as we think of your son. But it can be so hard when we need all that self-control. Words become scathing when our tongue's on a roll. We become self-absorbed, then we simply lack care. When the world's full of others, remind me, I'm not the only one there. Help me to change the ways that I act because I'm part of God's family and that is a fact. Help me display the fruit that is good and spread seeds of hope like you said that I should. Help me keep going when the walk is uphill. Please give me your strength, your heart and your will. 
Think of your door. It's got a knocker or a bell. He's knocking. He's ringing. It's got a letterbox. Can't talk to somebody really through a letterbox, but through that letterbox pass letters. The Bible's been around for a long time. It's a way of God getting in touch with you, just like that letterbox. It's got a keyhole. You might need to just turn the key in the door, whether it's to ask something, to seek something, or whether it's to let someone in. They're all integral to the doors that you open and close day by day.